Hey, no name calling here. Just differing opinions going head to head. With Counterpoint. Here's Alex Pearson on Global News Radio. It is 8.20 on a glorious Tuesday night. It is time for our Counterpoint, which of course is brought to you by our friends at Pizzaville. You can order up at 416-736-3636 or head online to pizzaville.ca. You will be in good hands. Tonight, of course, our uh, Tuesday kind of regular-ish team. we got Stephen LeDrew, lawyer, broadcaster, formerly the president of the Liberal Party of Canada. Hello. By the way, I should we should mention, you can read you on the National Post. Yes, we were talking about liberalism just last week because my theme was Putin was quoted as saying that liberalism was dead, and I agreed with him. Yes, you did. I saw that. Yeah, it's not often that you can agree with Putin, and and there you did. No, that's why it was extraordinary. And thanks for calling me regular-ish. Well, you know, call you what I am. I was going to ask, is Stephen regular or is he the ish? I don't know if you're regular, but you're regular-ish here. Uh, Jamie Ellerton is the other voice you hear, principal over at Canaptis PR and a conservative strategist. Hello there. Hello. And you're regular too. It's all good. Um, so I'm not sure if either of you heard about this late today. Can't say I'm surprised by it. Uh, but uh, Bombardier announcing it will lay off 500 employees from their Thunder Bay plant. This, of course, is the company that has hoovered $4 billion in corporate welfare from the uh, public teat. They don't just suck. They blow, if you ask me, because they don't even, they don't and have not ever had to actually deliver. I mean, we still don't have the streetcars that they were supposed to get to Toronto years ago. And yet... Jamie, I'll start with you on this. This Quebec company, you know, they will put their hand out and they get bailout after bailout after bailout. But taxpayers don't get the return on investment. Yeah, so I kind of have mixed feelings about this tonight, kind of picking up on some of that nuance. One, my heart definitely goes out to the 550 families affected by this. I remember how devastating it was growing up when my father lost his job and how that really devastates a family. And that was one family. So to 550 people in Thunder Bay getting those notices today, like my heart genuinely goes out for you. But in the broader kind of macroeconomic aspect of this, this is a company that can't meet its deadlines, continues to screw up and kind of like lives essentially off the public treasury for almost all of its work. And if not the bailout money they've gotten for other stuff, including including the C uh, mm-hmm. series planes that they ended up giving away to Airbus. And so I think uh, the government of Canada ultimately just needs to say, stop, it's enough, time to move on. If you can't actually run a business, let's at least start saving money. Well, it's only been uh, since 1966. I mean, how many, how many decades, Stephen, do we have to open our wallets? And, and Jamie's right. The story in the headline are the families that are getting their layoff notices. I mean, that is that is the human story, part of the story. But it's also the excuse that politicians can use to say, well, you know, jobs, jobs, jobs. We've got to save the jobs. And I'm sure Bombardier must be looking at the SNC saying, well, if they fought for the 900 jobs, certainly they'll fight for the 500. Well, absolutely. But there, I mean, there are so many issues there. And Jamie is, is right. And you're right, Alex. It's, it's, a, it's the families and the jobs. It's a terrible situation. But Bombardier, I mean, I think they should be the families. Baudouin Bombardier families are richer than God. I mean, they uh, just sold. You're welcome, by the way. A week and a half ago, mm-hmm. they just sold their another jet business mm-hmm. to uh, Mitsubishi yeah. in Japan. And they have not been able to deliver. I mean, it's so badly managed. I mean, we've been talking, as you pointed out, Alex, for years, the fact that they cannot deliver those streetcars that are, are made cheaply in parts in Mexico, shipped up to Thunder Bay, and then the poor workers in Thunder Bay can't fit them together because the parts don't fit together. 
And we still don't have them in Toronto. I mean, it is... I see them go by my house, by the way, when they're ready. They go by on the train out back of my house. So I always know when they're being delivered (laughs) because you can't miss them. It is always weird when you see a streetcar train (laughs) on like a flatbed rail car. Knowing fully well that it won't work. The GDC has to work on them for months after that. Yeah. So I... So, I mean, I just think that if if some government stands up under Ontario or Quebec or the federal government, and the federal government might do this before the election, and say, well, we're going to subsidize this. I'm going to puke. That would be political suicide. You know what I'd actually like to see with this, Allison, uh, sorry, Alex, and kind of look at some of their broader pieces here? Uh, there's obviously a lot of value in that kind of factory and that kind of skill set that exists in northwestern Ontario. Even before Bombardier bought that facility, it was actually a different Canadian company that ran it. So the right. governments in Canada have a lot of purchasing power. There's a lot of good transit stuff going forward. Uh, you know what? Let's actually put this tender out and let's get creative in terms of how do we go to the market. Maybe the Germans want to come and take over that through Siemens uh, and take over those kinds of assets that kind of stick it to the shareholders of Bombardier who have lived off no, yeah, taxpayer no. hog for too long while actually looking at how to keep those jobs there. I think we'd like to hear some creativity uh, as terms of how can you can actually attract outside investment with 100%. our purchasing power and as opposed to throwing more money at yet another Quebec corporate dynasty. Mm-hmm. And Jamie, I, I, I don't care whether it's Quebec Dinosaur or Saskatoon. Me. The other point is, though, that Bombardier's head office is incompetent. Mm-hmm. And so I think your idea of having another company come in would be terrific. Sure. Right. Just, just ask us this bot all the time. They get turned around, you can make better business sense, and it's more sustainable Well, again, in the long run. but it's holding people to account. And if the family can't run the company, see you later, but you're not getting no another dime but from me. Not, and it's not an if. Right. We know mm-hmm. that family can't run the company, and we know the managers there now can't run the company. But the workers are good, so I think it's a heck of an idea. Right. Go in there. Even if uh, Ford has to go in and nationalize it and sell it off, yeah. In two months. Maybe Let's Elon Musk wants a uh, oh, God, factory no, no, for no, his no, future no, no, tube no, stuff. No, 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 no. To, to don't give them any ideas. To get some revenue going, he can make some old-fashioned rail cars in uh, the, the interim. Yeah, that's what I want to do is subsidize <laughs> Elon Musk more, please. Alex is getting no, hyper thanks. about the Hyperloop oh, idea. All right, let's talk about the fuel <laughs> the fuel fight gearing up between Conservative leader Andrew Scheer and Justin Trudeau. He says if he wins the election in the fall, he will scrap what has been dubbed by him a secret fuel tax. And there is a plan by the Liberal government to improve fuel standards through regulatory changes. This would be in addition to the carbon tax. And they say that they want to clean up the fuel supply to your car, to your home heating. But getting cleaner fuel and reducing the carbon emissions, we have to pay for that. And it's not cheap. It's a lot more than what Andrew Shearer is saying. Here's Dan McTeague breaking it down. I think I saw something from uh, the leader of the opposition, uh, Andrew Shears, uh, pressing was five cents a leader. I think he's, uh, well, to use a better term, conservative. In, in that really, number. much higher than that. Yeah. Wow. Well, you yeah, think he would, if there were higher numbers, you think he'd bust those out because the election's coming and anything is going to save us money is going to win him votes. Yeah, well, I'll leave the politics aside. I did that for a few years, but there's no doubt that this will be a very costly undertaking. That was Dan Mateg, who was uh, appearing on Kelly Cotrera's show this morning, talking about this. And, and, and um, you know, Stephen, these are the dollar and cent issues that people, in fact, do uh, make decisions on. And, and it's a tax. But the bottom line is 20, 23 more cents here and there drives up the cost of living. And people just can't get to work and they can't deliver their goods. And, and that's a terrible thing. And no one has costed out, to my knowledge, mm-hmm. the benefit that we're going to have from the cleaner fuel. Well, right, because the, the Liberals have not done the cost-benefit analysis. No, they haven't no. even finished, like, looking no, into what, it. What, what Trudeau always likes to do, stick on a tax, stick it to the people, and hope, hope 
that somehow the air is going to be cleaner. Well, that just doesn't work. The, 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 the calculation, the formula, as far as I'm concerned, has not been shown. So I don't think, I think that uh, Shear is right. Do not put it on there. All right. So, you know, it becomes a bit of a wedge issue that Shear can use against Trudeau because the bottom line is people don't like taxes. Yeah, I think this actually kind of shows why the Liberals continue to need to actually spend some time doing their homework before they roll these things out. If you look at some of the nuance here, you had similar improving of fuel standards in the 80s and 90s that ultimately dealt with the very real issue of acid rain. I think Mm -hmm. people would say, yes, that's something we had to do. But whenever you hear Justin Trudeau talk about environmental things, it's always these grand, abstract, lofty goals. Nothing he'll have to follow, just the everyday people. No real consequences in terms of like people seeing the benefit for the environment from what he's talking about, but they definitely see all the costs. So I think uh, this is smart retail politics for Andrew Shear right now, and uh, they're going to continue to hammer on this because it plays nicely within a basket of affordability issues that uh, is really going to be an albatross around Justin Trudeau's neck in this uh, fall's campaign. Agree. All right, let's pause it there, guys. We'll uh, take some commercials because we got a bunch of stuff, including an empty uh, liquor store that um, happens to be one right by your house, Stephen. I don't know what's on your shelves, but this is a big problem. We'll talk. We were there shopping. Yeah. The shelves were a stock at that one, but uh, I'm not sure what they look like now. We will tackle that when we come back on our second round of Counterpoint, which is brought to you, of course, by our friends at Pizzaville. Head on over to their online at pizzaville.ca or call them 416-736-3636. We'll be back here on Point on Global News Radio. Hey, no name calling here. Just differing opinions going head to head with Counterpoint. Here's Alex Pearson on Global News Radio. 8.34 here on this Tuesday. We've got our counterpointers in place. This is round two, which of course is brought to you by our friends at Pizzaville. You can head on over to pizzaville.ca or give them a call, 416-736-3636. we got Stephen LaDrew and Jamie Ellerton uh, weighing off. Uh, I think this is one of those headlines that everyone's like, they'll laugh at it until it actually becomes true. But uh, we're getting lots of reports that shelves at some GTA LCBO stores are bare. And uh, there are signs going up talking about inventory shortage, which is what we want to hear in the summer. Not to worry, say those in charge. The LCBO uh, deliveries are behind because they recently implemented a new warehouse management system. This is new technology. Um, Jamie, I'll start with you on this. First of all, this uh, doesn't bode well for Smokey Thomas and the crew over at Opsy who are always arguing. They're the only ones who can do this job, you know, but how on, how on earth do they not have a backup plan? to get the booze on the shelves. I have no idea. <laughs> I think anytime anything remotely government-related implements a new system and they implies software, they always tend to go with custom software, pay too much, and uh, don't work out the bugs. I think if we had... It's like, like Bombardier handled it, eh? <laughs> if we actually had a free market in alcohol, <laughs> yeah. uh, imagine what would happen. <laughs> I suspect the Amazon fulfillment centers and every other distribution center for the large retailers would be full pretty much instantly, and we'd have a lot of great special stores pop up. I would love to open a gin boutique on Queen West or maybe a bourbon boutique Wouldn't that be fun? Uh, and also see a lot of cheaper ones that look like, say, like the Liquor Depot in, mm. uh, I think it's California. I saw uh-huh. one of those back in the day. Yeah, like New York. They've got the um, Right? So, and, like, yeah. service various points of the market. If you just need something that's going to, like, be mixed for rail and you want to save a bit of money for, like, bar rail stuff, great. If you want to get into the specialty stuff, allow that expertise. Yeah. Uh, this I, is just yet another it. proof point as to why the LCBO needs to be privatized and actually just or let... Taken it, out it, back if like you can demonstrate that you are capable 
capable of running a retail enterprise and that you can follow the safety laws as it relates to not selling to minors. If you meet those requirements the same way you meet a driver's license requirement, you can go invest your own money, try and make a business yeah, out of it, and uh, serve the market need. That does not happen like that here. We know we that. We need more details. We need more details about this one because, I don't know, first of all, it's not the union members who put in this new system. It was the management that put it in. And the question is, did the Liberal government tell the LCBO management who to get the computerized stuff from? Because generally, when you get the governments in there, you get bad systems. We have a terrible system with the TTC and their computerized system. We also have the Phoenix Pay system at the federal level, which has been a gun. The Liberal (laughs) government told the TTC it had to use this system instead of going and buying something Mm -hmm. which perfectly works, like in London, England. The Oyster Card in London, the Suica Card in Tokyo, they're fantastic. Mm -hmm. Fabulous. And we have this dorky system. That one of the worst ones around. So we need to find out exactly who put the LCBO up to this. And it's one of those things that, you know, it was working perfectly well before. And now, with a new modernized system, uh, it's not working at all. But it's also interesting that the government does not sell the LCBO, and Jamie alluded to this point, and the LCBO is not doing the job it should be doing. And yet, the beer store, I've never seen a beer store run out of beer. It works perfectly well. Private sector. Imagine that. Uh, Last week, Catherine McKenna tweeted out a photo where she praised Ottawa's clean drinking water, showing herself filling up her water bottle. Yum, yum. Well, you know, it prompted a pretty angry response from those who uh, have been living on Attawapiskat. This is, of course, uh, a reserve that has become very infamous over the last decade uh, because the people there are treated like second-rate citizens and they've essentially been drinking poisonous water and living in the most disgusting, decrepit, uh, conditions and the band council there has now declared a state of emergency uh, because tests show that the tap water is so poisonous that not only are they not supposed to drink it but when they shower they have to keep their windows open because it's so toxic I mean these people have sores all over their body but Stephen this government's had 10 years 10 years to fix this uh, yeah. since this issue came to light well they've had four but the, the Harper government this came to light this is not a new issue They've had more than enough time to fix it's this, more, and nothing's it's more done. more than just water, though. I mean, I was just speaking with um, a few days ago with a native uh, leader from southern Ontario, and, um, and she recognized full well that there's a whole big issue of, um, of governance with many bans. So mm-hmm. it's, it's this government that came in. They've been empowered out for four years. We've had Carolyn Bennett talking about how to improve the lives. She came in, and she immediately got rid of a harp mm-hmm. move, which was to have transparency yeah, yeah. And, um, and also to have accountability. And so it's now back to secret again. Yeah. And, this, and for McKenna, well, she is just so, I don't know, she's not slow-witted. I'm told she's not a stupid woman, but she is so dumb. Uh, what a thing to do, to be sitting there praising Ottawa. Well, Ottawa is the capital of the country. It should have clean water. And then, and then to be smacked back like this. Well, she deserves everything about that. The politics stink on this thing, but it's this government's responsibility, and they have let our native groups down. Yeah, I think so too. And, and, and a lot of people, we don't hear about this, Jamie, but, but Stephen's right. I mean, Harper wanted transparency. In other words, to make sure that the leadership of these bands uh, we're telling those who pay, you know, th- that they're held to account. And in the case of Attawapiskat, we knew that there was misspending, money was going missing, the band leaders were using and buying very expensive cars and that, and the people living in absolute horrid conditions. And yet 10 years later, nothing's changed. 
Yeah, I think this is kind of shows, frankly, a lot of the deep issues that are at play here. You can't just isolate any one of these issues nope. when you look at the decades, if not over a century, of real uh, misgovernance and kind of the maltreatment of uh, Indigenous Canadians by previous governments. And to kind of pretend this can all be done in quick five years... Uh, is just frankly unrealistic. So I think it's a real great shame. To then Canada. don't say you'll do it. No, I think that's definitely it. I think if one of you, the expectations golf is one of the things you constantly see with the Trudeau government. It's all high ideals right. and slow on delivery. And uh, Catherine McKenna might have many uh, capabilities, but kind of no. fine-tuned political retail game, uh, kind of sorely lacking for that minister. So um, I think it's Canada's national shame that this continues to be this way. I think uh, the, to this government's credit, they have actually fewer boil water advisories uh, than they started when they came into government, so they have made some progress on this issue, but uh, no, 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 this can't go fast enough for Jamie, those that literally have Jamie, open source and this kind of stuff. Jamie, you can't give them that credit because they have fewer notices now because they don't have the notice. That doesn't mean that there's better water in more communities. No, Stephen, objectively, the government actually has made some progress on this they over the past four years, and I am going to give them credit for but that, but there's still a lot of promises. big issues here. The issues of uh, ban finances, yeah. uh, transparency, I think was a really good initiative of the previous government that it was unfortunate they walked back on, but uh, we do have to give them some credit. They made uh, some progress on this, but not far enough, fast enough. I want to talk about this because uh, this is a kind of this is not a new story, but it has kind of had a new development today. But Elections Canada has announced that they will not be rescheduling the October 21st election, which just happens to fall on a high Jewish holiday. Um, and this is when observant Jews are not actually allowed to work and certainly not allowed to vote. And three of the four days of advanced polling also happen to fall on this particular holiday. So Jewish groups have been requesting a ta- a change of date for months and months and Elections Canada will not budge. So it is now heading to court. Uh, I'll start with you on this, Jamie. Should there be a religious accommodation? So... One of the unknown things about how our elections work, pretty much after they call the election, you can vote on any day. Go to the local returning office at your time after the cutoff for candidates and all that stuff's done, and you can go and vote on the spot. All you need to do is bring your voters card, sort of voter ID, or sorry, and you know, some for kind the of advanced ID. Polling. Not an advanced poll. You can vote by special ballot at the returning mm-hmm. office in every single riding across this country. Uh, so yes, I understand that perhaps they could have made some accommodations to add uh, some additional advanced. Uh, polling days, official advanced polling days to give them more locations to. Uh, I don't think we need to actually change the voting day. This is enshrined in our laws. Uh, every single person who wants to vote can do so pretty much any day after the election gets called. Uh, if you want to do that, like go and do it. I, I don't remember the last time I actually voted on voting day. It's just always easier to get it out of the way. Yeah, I, I do vote on voting day, and now and I'm Jewish, so this becomes a problem. But I will, I will find a way to vote. But I just, you know, they've had months and months to move it. They could have moved it. They could have at least well, with the evidence. Yeah. Alex, I'm not sure they could have moved it because you're always going to have somebody who has an objection to the date, and it could be very legitimate. Now, you introduced this uh, subject by saying it's a high holiday. When you uh, sent out the topics, when Michael sent out the topics, I spoke to a Jewish friend of mine, and I said, do you celebrate whatever the name was? And he said, I don't even know what it is. <laughs> well, it's uh, the, so it's it's the not whole... It's that well-observed, the high holiday. It's well. It's, it's part of Rosh Hashanah and all the rest of it. There's yep. a lot of Jewish holidays around there. But bottom line is, even the um, advanced polling, they could have uh, accommodated. I mean, if you, I'm not Orthodox, well, it doesn't bother me. But... Our election system in Canada, and I agree with Jamie on this one. It is the most accommodating system, probably in the world, as and still being accountable and still being um, uh, legitimate, as opposed to somebody trying to uh, interfere in it. So. 
Every person who has an objection to this election day can vote. All right, we'll leave it there. No question about it. Uh, This is a yes or no question. I don't have time to talk about it, but this is a yes or no question uh, because I don't have time. But Andrew Scheer says he will continue Canada's campaign for a seat on the United Nations Security Council if he becomes prime minister. Why, Jamie? Why? Uh, Yes, just don't put a ton of money to it and continue to otherwise advance Canada's foreign policy interests. Honestly, I mean, if he was trying to act like Justin Trudeau, I mean, why would he do this, Stephen? I say no. We Absolutely no. Accept it when somebody offers it to us. But these campaigns are baloney. Sending ministers and prime ministers down to the UN when nobody's listening at all—it just diminishes Canada. Well, we also don't need to uh, beg the corrupt uh, for a position at yeah. a table that uh, yeah. we would be sitting with corrupt. All right, guys, I have to leave it there. But I thank you very much. Always a pleasure, Stephen Ledru, as well as Jamie Elgin. Thank you very much. Here on Point on Global News Radio. You're listening to On Point with Alex Pearson on Global News Radio.